Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're going to be in a little series entitled Freedom of Forgiveness. Freedom and Forgiveness. This morning, what we're going to look at is this idea of understanding, how does God forgive me? It's very important for every one of us to understand God's forgiveness, and yet most of us struggle with it. And why do we struggle with it? Because we know how we forgive, and we just can't imagine God forgiving in the way that he does. There's a story in the New Testament that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, and I'm not going to read the whole story for you. Most of you are familiar with it. It's the story of the prodigal son. Boy says to his dad, look, I'm tired of waiting for you. I want my inheritance now. I, I want to have it. I want you to give it to me. If father does that, get, lets him have it. And then the boy goes out, wastes it all, ends up in a pig pen, and finally says, look, you know what? I can go back home. I'll be a slave. It's better than where I'm at here. He returns home. The father greets him, restores him, and the older brother gets ticked off. Short part of the story. So today what we're going to look at is the father in this story. And it begins with this understanding. God will not restrain us when we want to leave home. In other words, God never forces you to do anything. You have what we call a free will. You can do what you want. God will never override that. God will never force you to do something that you don't willingly do. You have a free will. And so when it's time, you get to choose. God, I want to stay with you. God, I don't. In our story, Luke chapter 15, verse 12, the younger son said to his father, I want my share of your estate. (laughs) Now that's kind of selfish, isn't it? Notice that. My share, your estate. Now, before you die, old man, I'm tired of waiting for you to kick the bucket. I want it now. Oh man, I'm not sitting around here doing this. I want this now. And the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons, has two sons. The older, it would be in thirds. The older son gets two thirds, the younger son gets a third. That's the way it works. And so he gets what is coming to him although he gets it in a way that the father really looks bad with. The father now is disgraced in essence. But the father says, look, son, if this is what you want, I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. And God never makes you do something. Because why? God wants you to love him. Now, I've talked to you about this before, but let me just restate it. Love cannot be forced. You can't make somebody love you. You can't demand it. It has to be freely given. And so he says, look, I want this now. I I don't want to wait. I want it now. And so many times in our lives, we want something and we don't care who we hurt or what we do because we want it and we think we deserve it. And so that's the beginning of the story. That's the understanding. God never forces you to do anything. You always have a choice. And if you want to go do your thing, God will let you go. That's the way he is. He's a loving God 
who will always love you, and he just wants you to love him in return. So God won't restrain you when you want to leave home. But understand something. God is ready and waiting for us to come to home. God's always there at a place where he says, okay, you've left, but I'll wait for the day hoping that you will come back. Now, in our story, it shifts well once that first first happens there, and the boy goes off, and we have his story. But then as he's coming back, we pick it up in verse 20 where it says this, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. That means he was looking for him, doesn't it? That means he was there standing on the front porch, maybe looking around. Maybe this will be the day. Maybe this will be the time. God doesn't want us to stay where we are. While you and I go do our own thing, God is preparing for us to come home. God never gives up on you, never says, well, they're gone, forget them. God always is waiting and willing and ready for you to return. He wants us back. He wants us to come home. Even though we stubbornly, rebelliously do our own thing, God says, I'll keep looking for you. What was the commercial a long time ago about a motel? We'll leave the light on. God always has the light on. He always says, I want you back. This is reinforced in the book of Romans, where the writer there says, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, while we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Now, notice this verse. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we didn't care, when we were still sinners, when we were far away from God, when we left the place that he intended for us to be, when we had gone away, God says, look, I still want you to come back and I'm gonna do everything I can to be prepared for when you return home. I won't give up on you. I won't write you off. I want you to know I care about you. God wants you to come to him. And God can't forgive until you're ready to come home. Until you're willing to say, God, I'm sorry. God doesn't overlook what we've done, but he's always willing to invite us to come back. And he's just waiting for you. So no matter what you do, where you go, how you purpose this, God is not there turning his back. God is not there saying, I don't care. God says, look, I'll keep looking out the window for you. I'll keep waiting for you. I'll keep looking for you. In fact, whether you want it or not, I'm still going to have everything prepared for you. I want you to come home. And so God says, look, I want you to be with me. I want that more than anything else. And no matter how you've rejected me, no matter what you've done to me, no matter how far you went away from me, 
I still love you and the door is always open and the light is always on. That's good news. Good news. But, but it gets even greater than that is that God always receives us when we come to him. God always receives us. You see, when you come back, God doesn't say, well, I hope you've heard your lesson like we would do, right? God doesn't say, well, you got what you deserved. No. Now, notice what it says about it. He saw him a long way off. Verse 20, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. Now, a couple things. Those verses, you can just read them, but they're filled with meaning. He's not filled with resentment. He's not filled with, I'm glad you got yours. He, he's not saying, look, I, until you prove yourself, he's saying, look, I love you and I'm going to give you compassion. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us mercy. And he says, I care about you. And no matter how far you run away from home, you can always come home. And God says, I'll never reject you. I'll never turn you away. And if you take the first step, God will run towards you. If you come to him, he will come to you. Now, you see, so he's filled with love and compassion, and he runs to his son. Now, let's be honest here. Old men don't run. I mean, that's just not something us old guys can do much anymore. And especially if you got one of these long things on, which they probably wore at the time, you know, you got to hike that thing up, show those ugly legs, and start going down the road. Oh, yeah, here he comes. So he's running towards him. Boy, oh, no, this is, maybe isn't going to look good. I wonder if he's got a gun behind his back. I wonder, you know, he runs towards him and he embraces him. Now, you see, there's a lot of hidden meaning here because you have to understand, in order for the son to return home, he had to come through the gate of the city. At the gate of the city sat the town elders, the town rulers. That's where business was transaction during that day and time. And the law was this. If a son did something like this son done in making his dad look bad and disrespecting his father, he deserved to be stoned. And so if he just walked in, they had every right and probably every intention to pick up a rocks and start heaving them at him. But you see, when the father's embracing him, they can't do that because they might hit the father. And he runs to him, protecting him, sheltering him, saying, I love you. I care for you. And he kisses him on the cheeks. You know, that greeting, familiarity, you're accepted, you're back. Because you see, when you've done something that's wrong and gone far away from God, there's always going to be people who are going to throw stones at you, aren't there? There are always going to be people who say, you deserve everything you got. There's always people around you that will look at you and be critical of you and say, well, let's wait and see. But God does not do that. When you come to him, he opens up his arms and he's filled with love 
and compassion. And he embraces you. And he runs to you. And he cares about you. And he accepts you. That's incredible. That God would do that. And Psalm 102, verse 17, he will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. The son had brought disgrace to the family, to the community. The son had went rebelliously and taken all of his inheritance and wasted it all. And word had gotten out. And here he comes back. And people in the town are looking at him going, wow, what a mess. I mean, think about it. He's coming from working in the pig pen. He can't smell very good. He can't look very good. He, he, he can't, you know, be very positive. He's wondering how this is all going to play out. And while everybody else is kind of silent looking, maybe reaching down for a rock, here comes this old man running, grabs him, kisses him, loves him, cries with him. God will never reject you. God is not angry with you. God is not looking to punish you. God will never reject you. You have to understand that about the God that we serve. He will never force you to stay home. He will never demand that you have to stay in the right place. He will let you go and do whatever you want to do. But while you're out doing it, he's preparing for you to come back. He's praying that you will come back. He's hoping that you will return. He wants you back. And when you come back, you never have to question, how will God accept me if I come back after all I've done? It is automatic. You know it. He will run to you. He will embrace you. And he will be filled with love and compassion. That's incredible. That's the God that we serve. That's the way he operates. Now, it doesn't just stop there. It goes even a step farther. Because God will restore us when we come to him. And when we come home, God will restore us to our position. Notice what happens. He runs to him. He does that. Now remember, the son has rehearsed everything is what he's going to say and how he's going to do this. He doesn't know necessarily how the father, but he said, I'll just go back home and I'll ask this and, and, and maybe, maybe he'll let me just be a servant in the house. Maybe I can get that. Maybe a little something. Luke 15, 21, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Now, it's almost like the dad isn't even hearing him. It's almost like he's just not paying attention. Because what the next verse says? But his father says to the servants, quick, 
Bring the finest robe in the house and put it in on him. Get a ring for his finger. Get sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. Ooh, brisket. You know? We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead. Dead in his sins. Dead in life. And now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. Wow. God restores you to your intended status. Now let's look. Again, those things we read them and they don't always have a lot to say to us, but they have volumes to say to the readers in the Jewish community. First of all, God will restore our honor. Our honor. He puts a robe on his son. What kind of robe is that? Well, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, the writer says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. And I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Son, welcome home, put the robe on. All I see is righteousness. I don't see all the sin. Now the enemy will make sure you see all the sin. The enemy will do everything he can to tell you, you're going to pay for this. He will do everything he can to tell you, you don't deserve this. He will do everything you can. God's going to get you for this. But you see, when that robe goes on, Christ no longer sees us, but he sees the righteousness of Christ in our lives. And all of our sins are forgiven and forgotten by God. They they are cast into the sea, and as far as the east is from the west, they disappear because he no longer sees the sin. He sees the righteousness in us. Welcome home. You are forgiven. You are restored. Put on the robe of righteousness. Put it on. I love you. I forgive you. Welcome back. But, but am I going to pay for this? We'll talk about that some other time. Well, God, surely it's not that simple. And God says to us, what's the difficulty? How hard is it to forgive? Well, you and I know it's kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? But that's not the way God is. We serve a forgiving God. And the moment we ask, just as the son did, the moment God forgives. No step back and say, well, okay, I know you're saying that, and I know you probably mean it, but we'll wait and see how this plays out. That's the way we do it, isn't it? Somebody says they're sorry. Well, I'll wait and see how that goes. Now with God, get the robe. He's forgiven. He again is restored as being my child. I've forgiven all that he's done to me. Because he disgraced the family. It's forgiven. Put on the robe. He restores your honor. He doesn't beat you down. 
He doesn't make you feel bad. He lifts you up. And then God will restore our heritage. You and I were created in the image of God to be like him. And God says, put a ring on his finger. A symbol of sonship, a power of attorney. You're part of the family. You're not a servant anymore. You are now restored to your position. Genesis 41, 42 tells us about the ring. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen, hung a gold chain around his neck. In other words, Joseph, this symbolizes the fact that you are in charge. You have power. You are with me. You are equal. And Pharaoh says, Joseph, I'm the only guy ahead of you, Joseph. This shows everybody else that you are restored to this position And God will restore you to who he created you to be. Now, you see, sometimes we feel like, oh, God, because I've done this and this, I'll never be able to do this. Your sins don't disqualify you from being used by God. God wants to use you. God wants to restore you. God loves you. He forgives you. And he goes a step farther and he says, I can still use you. You're still mine. Let's get to work. But not only does he restore our heritage, he will restore our human needs. The sandals. You see, slaves didn't wear sandals. Only the wealthier people did. And God says, look, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not just going to let you be a slave. You're now a son. And because of that, all of your needs will be met. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. Provision. You'll have everything you need. It'll all be taken care of. Welcome home. Welcome home. Now go a step farther. God will also restore your happiness. Well, you know what? I'll probably have to live with this the rest of my life. You don't have to. I know it's hard to forget, but it shouldn't be hard to understand you're forgiven. And in those times when you can't forget what you've done, never forget the forgiveness of God, which allows you to still have the joy of God. Luke chapter 15, verse 10 says, there is joy in the presence of God's angel even when one sinner repents. There's great joy. There's celebration. Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate the son. He was lost. Now he's found. He's here. This is great. This is wonderful. Let us celebrate together. But you and I sometimes think, well, I've come home. I do that. I guess I'm going to have to pay for a while. I can't, I can't. I understand. You don't understand God. Because you and I serve a God who is a forgiving God. And in this story is called the prodigal son. But don't overlook the forgiving father.
who is willing to let you do whatever you want and will not stop you. But if you choose to go away from him, know one thing, he is waiting and looking for you to come home. He wants that more than anything else. He's preparing it. And when you come home, he will come out to greet you and welcome you with open arms and say, welcome back. I've missed you. I'm glad you're back. I love you. And he will show you mercy, compassion, tenderness, and he will restore your fortunes. He will use you. He will help you. He will celebrate with you. And he will give you life. True life. That's the forgiving God that is shown to us throughout the Bible. So that means in this room, those listening to me, there's a different groups of people here today. There are some of you who have decided, I want what's mine. I'm going to go do what I want. No one's going to stop me. It's my life to live and I'll live it how I please. And God will let you. And there are people here that that's where you are today. You are just doing your thing, going your way, behaving like you want. And God will allow it. But God's waiting. God's waiting. There are some of you that have said, you know what? <laughs> this life that I'm living isn't fulfilling. I've run out of resources. I don't think I can take much more. I need help. And you've come to a point where you're willing to come to God, to the Father. And you're wondering, well, if I do that, what's he going to do? How's he going to treat me? What's it going to look like? And he wants you to know that if you come to him, he will come running to you. He will embrace you. And he will give you mercy. And if you ask, he forgives. He forgives. There are some of you listening today that you've accepted the Father. But you're still beating yourself up. You're still allowing the enemy to throw your past in your face. And you've kind of thought, well, I... I I'm no good. I, I can't do anything now. I, I've wasted too much time, too many years. I've done things that I, I can't believe I did. I just, so many things in my past that I, I just don't know how God can forgive me. He can forgive you because he's God. And if you're here today and you've experienced the Father's forgiveness, stop beating yourself up. Stop thinking that God can't use you. Stop thinking that, well, I'm going to have to pay. Would you receive the Father's forgiveness? He wants to restore you. He, wants, he looks at you as the righteousness of God in Christ. He calls you his child. 
celebrate it. Celebrate it. So I don't know where you are, but would you take a moment just right now, you and God? God, here I am. And maybe you're in none of those three categories. Maybe you've got, Pastor, thanks for reinforcing this. I, I know what God's done for me. I can't believe it. Would you just take a moment and thank him again for what he's done for you and how he's forgiving you and how good he is to you? Just take a moment right now, just right where you are. today we look at this story and the actions of the father man they're just beyond our comprehension someone who was so quick and so willing to forgive and maybe that's why God we struggle so much because the way you forgive is beyond our comprehension but your word reminds us over and over and over again you are a forgiving God and you didn't come into the world to condemn us. You came to forgive us and to save us. So Lord, for the one who is off like the prodigal doing their own thing, going their own way, I pray that you will help them to come to a place where they'll be willing to understand that they need to come home. Lord, for the one who is saying, you know what, I, I need God in my life. I need to accept him as my savior. I need to ask for his forgiveness. I pray that you will help them today to sense your forgiveness as they're asking for it. And Lord, for those today that are living with the Father and yet the enemy keeps beating them down and making them feel bad for all their past, I pray that you will give them the freedom from that as they understand that we, they serve a God who doesn't look at the past but looks at their future and has forgiven all that they've done. And Lord, for all of us, may we never take for granted the forgiveness of God and the joy that we have because we serve such a loving, compassionate, kind, merciful, forgiving Father. Thank you. Help us to live in that, we pray in thy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.